What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Chris and Emily, and uh, they're gonna tell us what it is that they do. But first of all, like I just want to say, I actually met Chris because we're both on the NASCAD Board of Governors, and Chris is uh, one of the student reps, and I'm the alumni rep. And it's been a pleasure getting to know Chris through that process, and uh, just. Chris is very wise and, and been, uh, <laughs> been, been a, a, a great addition to, to the group. So I just want to say, give Chris a shout out for that. But Chris and Emily, what is it that you do? Do you want me to start? <laughs> you can get started. <laughs> um, we are both students at NASCAD currently, um, but we are more focused right now on creating a textiles project mixed with a lot of other different uh, mediums and we cr- are creating burial shrouds. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Very. <laughs> yeah. So like, what are you, what are you majoring in actually? I am, I was supposed to be majoring in printmaking, but Corona kind of uh, made that a little bit weird needing to be in the studio. Um, wow. So, I think we've both kind of switched over to being more into uh, general fine arts. Mm. Gotcha. I think we definitely started off in printmaking and just what Emily was saying, like with coronavirus, we don't have access to like the same equipment that we used to. Um, So this was just kind of a great project for us to work on outside of the studio and really um, start exploring different avenues with textiles and beadwork and embroidery and stuff like that. And this came about like after the coronavirus stuff or like during, I I should say. Yeah, it came out um, afterwards. I think our first shroud was back in October actually. Oh, okay, okay. So that's interesting. So like you're the first actual, first, you're the first students that I've had on the show and this is a crazy time to be a student. So how, like you, you kind of touched on it a bit, but like how difficult has it been to specifically do like, you know, art related work as students at a distance? It's been, uh, it's been really tricky. I think, you know, we're kind of going from having so much structure during the week where you just know like, this is my routine with my classes. This is where I can access that equipment. And, you know, you kind of get used to having that support. Whereas I find like, especially during COVID and now that we're in art school, but we're online for the first time, um, it's been tricky trying to find that balance between being at home and still committing yourself to the studio practice. um, And just, like not being able to separate those spaces. So it's 
just trying to figure out what is your rhythm within that and what is your studio practice going to be like now that you don't have an external place to go to to kind of separate yourself. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Emily? Yeah, 100%. I think between that and the lack of a connection to the community that we've lost has been a really big hit, especially both coming from a background where like you don't do printmaking on your own most of the time. You have to do it in a setting where like everyone can share process and share equipment. So going from that to kind of having to totally restructure how we're making art has been really strange to say the least. Yeah, yeah. You know what, actually to take it back, what exactly is printmaking for the people who don't know what that is? Yeah, um, so printmaking is um, a bunch of different kinds of techniques that are used to create art that can be replicated. So Chris and I both, I think, really um, were drawn to screen printing, which I think is a little bit more of like a commonly known form of printmaking where you have screens that you can expose images on using different chemicals and processes. And then you're able to replicate that again and again. Um, but at NASCAD, we have access to like a bunch of different like techniques that require more equipment. Cool. Cool. So, and Chris, you're like, you also do beading, I see. And uh, it's cool, like seeing the range of you know, ideas you can express in a medium like that. And, and I think in a lot of ways, like with printmaking, you can too. Uh, what, what would you say like draws you to the beading? Um, I know for myself, it's definitely just um, a medium where like I'm able to connect my culture with my ideas. I found like in printmaking, you know, printmaking was always used as like a tool of colonization. Um, mm. and it has that kind of icky history, although like a lot of it is uh, also rebellious in a way. So that kind of what drew me to it at first. But I find with beadwork, it's been a way that, you know, we've kept our like individual um, cultures alive um and just been a way that like we could kind of power through that oppression right. um and beadwork it's a very holistic like meditative process I would say um when you're beading you have to really consider the mindset that you're working with and like whatever you're feeling at that time is what you're going to put into it and you have to be really careful because like if you have a negative mindset you're putting that into your work. And then if you're giving that to someone, it can make them really sick or, you know, you can pass on those negative energies. So wow. um, yeah, it's just really important to make sure you're going into it with a good mind and kind of um, thinking about your process more holistically instead of just, I have this deadline, this is when I need to get it done. Um, it doesn't really matter how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Right, cool. So Emily, uh, I'm curious, what does it mean to be death positive? Um, that's kind of what my uh, practice has centered around for a few years now that I, now that I've dragged Chris into it too. Um, <laughs> death positive for me is um, kind of lifting the veil of like mystery and fear that we have around like everything to do with end of life. Mm -hmm between like people being obsessed with anti-aging and like not wanting to talk about wills or like what they want to have happen with their body. Um, so I think a lot of like, we've kind of become disconnected from death, which is, you know, the one thing that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that 
I don't know if death positivity is, it's kind of like a fun term for the movement, but I would almost lean more towards death acceptance um, mm. and kind of just not hiding from it. Yeah, you know, I feel that so much. So I just turned 40 and like, I was one of those people and still, I'm gonna say was, am, I'm working on it and of like being scared of, of aging and what that means for everything. Uh, and um, it's, it's, I like that idea because it's, it's, it's like been a, a reminder that I've been trying to, to put into my head a lot lately. Just, it's a good thing that you made it this far, you know, um, uh, let's celebrate it um, and, and not be afraid of what's next and things like that. And yeah, like I was telling Chris before I had a, a co-worker that recently passed away and he, and he was just a little bit older than me. So it's like, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? And how do you uh, um, just recognize the natural course that we're on, you know? Yeah, definitely. I just had a death in my life as well recently. And it's, it's so weird how like, even as someone who like my daily life is thinking about death, like, you don't know how to react to that. And you internalize so much stuff that you didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a pretty uh, weird thing to start thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll take it back to you. Like for, I'll start with you, Chris. Why did you choose to go to art school? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I think I've always sort of been drawn to the visual and it's just been how I've been able to really communicate my ideas. Um, and I find like I'm really drawn to history and philosophy and just kind of looking at like larger ideas of life. So it was just a really great combination of all those things where, you know, it wasn't super academic and I wasn't just being um, like told what I should be learning. It was actually more like a self-directed opportunity for me to really explore what I was interested in, um, but do it visually and how I, I communicate. So I think like for those reasons, that was why I was kind of drawn to art school. Um, mm -hmm. And it's actually why I came to Nova Scotia. Right. So actually, where are you from originally? Um, I'm from Aurelia, Ontario. So just okay. a couple hours north of Toronto. All right. Is that like a small town? I've, I'm not familiar. Yeah, it's super small. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, uh, what were you like as a kid, actually? Um, pretty quiet, uh, kind of withdrawn. A big thinker, I would say. I used to think about things a lot more than I would speak. So I don't know, pretty quiet. <laughs> you know what though? Like I'm, I'm the same actually. And mm -hmm. I think that might be why we get along because uh, we don't, we're not necessarily the first people to jump out and say, Hey, you know, we should do this or this should happen, blah, blah, blah. But like, we'll step back and reflect mm -hmm. and then have like, Oh, this is what, you know, this could work right here. <laughs> like a steady plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Emily? Why, uh, what drew you to art school? Um, not for as good of an answer as Chris gave. Like you said in your intro, Chris is wiser than the rest of us or something. 
um, I have ADHD and I wanted some sort of structure to be able to keep doing art. So, um, yeah, that was my whole reason was just wanting somewhere to tell me what to do while I could work on art. <laughs> got you. Got you. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can understand that. So like something about like you, 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 uh, as a kid, I'm assuming had some kind of a natural inclination towards this and we're looking for that structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So what, what kind of kid were you? Were you like less quiet and more adventurous? I was definitely um, a big like reader and kind of stuck in my own head, but like Mm -hmm. on on the same side, I was a, I'm a big talker that has not mm. changed at all. I think that's why Chris and I work so well together is that <laughs> <laughs> I can really just go on and on. And Chris really thinks about things and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one talks and one listens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to learn to do a little bit of the other one too. <laughs> In time. <laughs> in time so where where'd you actually grow up uh i grew up in cape breton in uh glace bay oh uh, okay yeah okay. just outside of sydney we're a coal mining town <laughs> yeah my um my grandmother-in-law is from glace bay actually. oh small world yeah yeah and she she always like um speaks about it fondly actually so yeah so um I'm assuming you two met while you were at NASCAD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we met in first year, actually. And um, so you both did the, the foundation year or did you skip past that? Because I, I skipped, I skipped, I missed foundation and I kind of wish I didn't. But like, did you meet in foundation? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. I skipped a bit of foundation as well because I had gone to another university before coming to NASCAD. Mm-hmm. So I got out of some of the writing and more technical course, like courses. Uh, okay, right. I, I wish I did. Actually, I never got to do printmaking while I was there, and I wish I did. Uh, I didn't think that I would actually be working with prints as much as I do now, but I, I don't know how to do it technically. So I'm like annoyed at myself for that. Yeah. <laughs> So your customized death shrouds, uh, is there something that you learned in terms of like how death is handled across cultures that you noticed and, and through class as well? I think we've been talking about that a lot lately because we obviously come from different cultures and stuff. So it's uh, it's been interesting to kind of like compare and contrast how Uh, we think about death Mm -hmm. Um, as well as through like a whole lot of research. Um, But I think we, we both just wanted to kind of take what we have learned and come up with like maybe a new, for us, maybe better answer to some of the options that are out there. Hmm. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think it's, like it's just been a way for us to kind of explore our different cultures around death and just kind of using these shrouds as like like a compare and like contrast. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's been kind of fun, kind of tricky, um, but I think it gives us both incentive to really like dig into those roots. Um, I know for myself, I'm I'm just kind of learning how Gnetgehaga people like how we process death, and I'm learning that it's a lot different than the Westernized versions. Um, mm. Like for us, um, we we don't celebrate death in the way that like the Western culture does. Um, for us, you you kind of get like those 10 days after a death to grieve. And once that's over, like you're just supposed to not forget about the person, but like it's definitely a time where you're supposed to move on and kind of like carry on with your life and start picking up those, um, those tasks that you kind of left to the other community members. Mm-hmm. And I also find too, like we don't, mark graves um because it would give you that that physical place that you would kind of get stuck at and they say like you get stuck at the grave because you're in that mindset of like always being there and like having that attachment to the person that you just lost so um we don't mark graves so that you don't have that physical place that you can keep going to and get stuck in that grief well that's that's interesting actually Mm -hmm. uh and I like, I, so I'm from Bermuda and we do mark graves there, but at the same time, you know, when my dad died, I, I find that I don't visit his grave when I go back home. Um, and maybe for that same reason, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's like, yeah, I almost don't want to revisit that. And it's not that I don't think about him often or, or anything like that or care it's like for me personally that physical thing just doesn't need to exist so uh in terms of like your influences with this project is there something else you were inspired by i think it's just been a lot of like kind of bringing together our two practices i know for myself i was kind of looking at like care practices and how beadwork played into that. And I know Emily was looking a lot at like the death industry and how, you know, it it tended to be quite cold and like mass produced. So I think it was just kind of a mixture of those two practices coming together. And, you know, how can we talk about death in like a caring way Mm -hmm. um, while also incorporating like these other elements that we were already interested in. Okay, got you. So how do you, decide who does what like in is yeah like how does how does the uh the sort of balance of task go with that it's been a pretty natural um way to delegate tasks i think we both have um different skill sets and Mm -hmm. they've they've meshed really well where i do a lot of sewing in my own time so um it was kind of just natural for me to start things and put them together and then pass them on to Chris. And we've been kind of just bouncing our ideas off of each other and letting things um, progress naturally instead of, you know what I mean? Like breaking it up really um, piece by piece and deciding who does what. It's more of like whatever each of us are feeling. And then the next person comes in with their skill set and responds to it. I got you. So I saw one of them. You you actually 
so you you like sewed that that garment together yourself and then yeah. Chris came in and, right okay and do you do you have a set idea of like okay we're going to do 10 or is it just intuitive I think it's more intuitive um like so far we have just kind of been working like shroud to shroud and focusing on like, what are the themes that we want to discuss for that that particular um, piece? Mm -hmm. But I think like, we've also talked about maybe doing this as more of a business and uh, starting to like incorporate like individuals who might want their own shrouds made or they want it for like a family member or a friend. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's pretty just intuitive and it's just kind of based on like how we're feeling um, and how we're doing in like that partnership. And we just keep, kind of keep like refocusing on that. <laughs> Got you. So you have like the potential business aspect. Did you ever think that it could maybe lead to a gallery show or something like that at the end? Um, that's our hope. We actually okay. have a show coming up at the um, Anna Leon Owens Gallery, uh, NASCAD's gallery, mm -hmm. um, since uh, COVID is still obviously a big issue. It's uh, just going to be in their window displays instead of in their gallery space, but um, we're really excited to get them exhibited and I can see it. I think we both would like to see it um, kind of take that route and take a business route at the same time. Smart. Uh... I wish I was thinking like this when I was a student. <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding these days? Like, uh, I'm curious, like when I, when I was in school, I, I felt, and I, I blame part of myself for this too. Like I was so wrapped up in the idea of becoming the best designer that I didn't stop to think about some bigger picture ideas and maybe it's the same for you because I forgot how busy and like just hearing you speak about it <laughs> the amount of work you have to do is is insane so it may it might be like difficult to think about um like uh longer term career projections or anything like that but do you feel like the university structure is is okay at preparing you for that kind of stuff or is that not even a concern for you hmm. um i think universities they try their best to kind of prepare you for that shift into like a professional or like career-based field um but i find like there's definitely some shortcomings where like a lot of it is academic based and then you know, once you graduate, you kind of have to get used to like this whole other world where, you know, everything is just by experiences and you're just kind of figuring out as you go along. Mm. Um, I would say in terms of long-term planning, uh, especially during a pandemic, it's kind of tricky. Um, you know, the job market is going to kind of be down for, for quite a while. So yeah. that's, that's a little concerning, but I think you know, we've, we've been friends for quite a while now and like we've been working together as well. So I kind of feel like that makes it a little bit less stressful. What do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think NASCAD in particular can prepare you really well, but I think it's on you a lot of the time to search that out. Um, and I think that it's pretty catered towards a certain, like, like Chris said, a very academic way. I feel like I could go into a fine arts master's and be prepared. I feel like I could go into being a gallery, like a, an artist, like someone who primarily makes work for galleries. And I feel like NASCAD prepares us for that, but any career outside of that, I feel like hasn't really been touched on. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see myself as something outside of that realm. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Chris. It's uh, The pandemic has made it weirder, but having people that you can kind of go back to and discuss ideas makes it easier. What's it, what's it like on a cultural level with, with that? Because I, when I, when I was there, I did a lot of uh, drawing classes earlier on before I doubled down on design and, and it wasn't necessarily the instructors, but there seemed to be a culture with the students as well that that idea of wanting to do your art in any kind of commercial sense was looked down upon. Is that a generational thing for me or is are like the rest of the students today just all on board with whatever? That definitely hasn't changed. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I definitely heard of different profs, like not even wanting to talk about art commercially or like the kind of just shutting down the conversation for students. I haven't had it personally, but like I've definitely heard of stories like that. So yeah, I think it's it's still quite prevalent in NASCAD. I, um, it's just, it's crazy because you just, you just don't know like until you get out there that you might need to go into certain directions whether you want to or not. So, so I'm, I'm a fan of exploring things in, in many different perspective from many different perspectives and and kind of like seeing where you land and but then also like there's something to I guess to be said about if you know you want to be a gallery artist and you just you go full bore at that and make it work then I mean yeah fill your boots but that's that's surprising to me that uh I I thought this generation at least had had more um acceptance of different ways of approaching a, a creative career huh so like you mentioned the business part of, of the um, trouts, have you figured out like how they would be priced at this point? Um, I think it would be pretty dependent on like what the person would want on the shrouds in terms of like imagery or materials or like how long it would take us to do it. Um, I think in terms of like a customized shroud, we would be looking anywhere from like 600 to a thousand. Mm-hmm. I've just been like kind of playing around with like budgets and um, like different scenarios. Yeah. But I think that would be like our target. Gotcha, gotcha. So what yeah. would you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say we're, I, I think it's a bit of a struggle because we uh, we're really passionate about making things that are affordable and that like an, a person could get, but they're really labor intensive. So it's trying to find that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the struggle. I, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, 
but that's an important thing that that's why I think it's really smart that you're doing this now because those are the type of questions that you start having to ask yourself when you when you hit the real world like the the idea of um, value and labor and cost of materials and all of that that has to factor into your pricing and stuff like that and it's, it's good to explore that as early as possible in your in your career path um so uh that's a that's a significant challenge is there like a a challenge that you find from say a creative side with this do you want to start emily <laughs> sorry i'm also <laughs> just thinking um <laughs> I think one of the biggest struggles has been, it is a really dark topic and it's, it's sometimes you don't, you don't want to sit in the ideas of death all the time. Um, so, you know, creatively, that's been a little bit of a, a struggle between, I know for myself, I'm really uh, prioritizing not looking away from that darkness because that's an important part of it. Um, so wanting to include that in my work, but also, you know, not focusing completely on that because it's, it's not, it's not a, a bad thing. It's just a natural thing. That's kind of upsetting. Right. Right. What would you say, Chris, what is there, what's kind of a creative challenge with this that you find? Um, I would kind of say the same thing, like for for my people like we're not supposed to celebrate death so it becomes a little bit tricky when like I'm making objects for death mm. um so yeah I'm just trying to work that out creatively of like okay how can like we make these shrouds where we're not celebrating death but instead like we're celebrating life and the person who like created this in life or like who they were in life um mm. and just kind of trying to spin it in a more positive way so it's not like an ending it's more of like just a celebrating who they were in that life does that make any sense <laughs> yeah i know yeah I, there is that internal struggle of um how do i respect my culture but also like be true to this creative thing that yeah. is burning inside <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um as like students uh, like what would you um say is like been one of the like best things about being a, an art student i think um the most valuable part has been having profs that really care about your work and really care about um, getting you resources and you know helping you make your best work. Um, we had a studio class last semester with an amazing prof, Erica Walker, who like really helped us get all of this off the ground, I think, and was really encouraging. And that just means everything. What about for you, Chris? I would say the same thing, like the profs, like when they have that commitment to your practice, it's just um, like one of the most amazing feelings, I think, <laughs> to just have someone who is a professional in the field and is also taking an interest in your practice. It kind of feels like 
you have that support and that reassurance that like, yes, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think like just having like access to the equipment that we did during our, our education was amazing because it kind of gave you um, that opportunity to really explore like whatever medium um, you wanted and just kind of figure out like what works best for you and what works best for your practice. So I think like that was um, really, really valuable. And I, I really treasure that. Cool. Cool. So uh, if like, say there's someone in high school considering uh, going to NASCAD or somewhere else, like what, what kind of advice would you give them to get themselves prepared for this and start with Emily? Um, I think I'm trying to think in terms of preparedness, going in with an open mind, I think is the most important thing. I went in thinking that I knew exactly what I was doing. And I think most people that go to NASCAD would say the same thing that they came in as painters and left in like a totally different field or, you know, yeah. Um, I think just being open to trying different things and being open to like really put the work in because I, uh, I kind of thought art school was going to be easier than my two years of my science degree I did. And art school was way harder. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Actually, I'll dig back on that. So like Emily, I I really like your your illustration style actually. And um, like, what did you, did you go in thinking you were going to focus on illustration or, or something or painting or what, what were you, what was your thing? Yeah, I was really interested in illustration. That's always been something that I wanted to do, but I definitely thought that I was going to be um, sticking to that side, doing painting. Um, printmaking was a total surprise and I fell in love with it. Um, and I also didn't see myself going so far to the like fine arts side. I always thought I was going to be in like commercial illustration. Um, but yeah, for illustration is my first love and will always be part of my practice as well. Right. You t- so you talk about commercial illustration. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. So you, like, I know now because of the internet, you get to see so many more people in the industry than you could have when I was coming up. But uh, are there some commercial illustrators that you know of, or was this just something, you know, it wasn't a person or whatever. It was just like, you just know you want to do it. There were definitely a few people specifically that influenced me. Um, Audra Claire is an artist that I grew up really in love with. She's kind of done the same thing that I have I've gone over more to fine art and painting and stuff like that. But um, her and a few other artists who were just like their whole practice was making art and posting it on Instagram and then selling prints of it. Like that was kind of the dream. Mm. Um, but there's also um, there's an illustrator named Landis Blair who does the illustrations in um like he does graphic novels, but he's done a lot of death focus related books. So kind of the meshing of all of my interests coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of saw that as my path that I was going to take. Okay, cool. So yeah, Chris, what's what advice would you give a aspiring art student? Um, I think I would say one, be prepared to work really really hard (laughs) um I think there's that that kind of perspective of art school or like that idea of art school where it's just kind of like oh I'm just gonna do whatever I want and um (laughs) you know it's very like this flowery sort of 
um, impression. Whereas I find like when you're actually in art school, it's a lot of, lot of work, either like yeah. mentally or physically, you know, you're always, um, you're always putting in that, that labor. And I think too, like just practice, practice, practice. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> um, yeah. It's always good to build that skill. Even if you think, you know, I'm super, super good. You can always be better. <laughs> So just, um, yeah, keep working on them. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself at a point where you just almost like don't like hate <laughs> doing your like, so like I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and we, we had this debate uh, about uh, how hard a person can work and working 24 seven at something that you are passionate about will make it 100% easier. And I was like, well, I think back to art school, I loved what I was doing, but there were times when I hated it and I wanted to do any and everything else, but sit down and draw something or think of a cool idea for whatever stupid thing it was. So (laughs) like, do you ever feel like that too? Yeah, I I definitely get there. I'm kind of a workaholic, I must admit. (laughs) So uh, <laughs> I, I work much longer than I should, um, mm-hmm. but it, I, I kind of like the satisfaction of like completing things or like actually working on things, um, but that's just me. Yeah, I think too, like, you know, it's kind of recognizing your, your like ability or like your boundaries with your work and kind of making sure like, Yes, you can do a whole bunch of work, but if it's getting to the point where you're stressing yourself out, you know, you're not enjoying the process anymore. I think that is definitely the time where, you know, it should be a red flag and then you just kind of have to step away, go drink some water, go for a walk, you know, take that break, um, whatever you need to kind of care for yourself. And then, you know, once you're in that good mindset again, like, okay, that's, that's a good time to start working. Right. Right. Or if you're me, uh, stop working, go to the dome and then come back and work some more. Uh, <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> uh, what about you, Emily? Do you ever find like you just don't want to do this sometimes? Oh, definitely. I, I think that sometimes it can be worse because you actually care about what you're doing. It's not yeah. just something that you are mindlessly going at. It's like you really want the outcome to be great. So um yeah, sometimes I definitely swap between mediums a lot. If I get like too stressed about trying to think of an, the next amazing idea for illustration, I move over to something like making the shrouds or, you know, printmaking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And actually then that's a good strategy too. like having multiple things going on at the same time sometimes does definitely help because sometimes it's not like you, that you hate the work so much hate working per se it's like that specific thing you hit a wall on you just need to go work on something else and then it opens up other things yeah exactly yeah so uh this has been great how do we find your shrouds online and how do we find you online um yeah so uh you can find us both on instagram um my handle is at chris k-r-i-s underscore repas uh, r-e-p-p-a-s and then that's just kind of where i post um, my work and uh the shrouds and then emily if you want to go 
Yeah, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, I post all my art at Crow's Omen, uh, C-R-O-W-S-O-M-E-N. Um, we really should have some sort of account for our work together, but we kind of just individually post it as we go. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in time, in time. But uh, thank you again, though. It's It's been great getting to un- learn about uh, what it is that you do and um we will be in touch thanks Dwayne, for having us it's always lovely to talk to you thank you this has been great <laughs> thank you for listening to our page thank you to langy beats for the theme music you can find more of his music on youtube if you got anything out of this please rate review or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening you can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace. <laughs>